This episode of Life's Lessons in God's Word is brought to you by Dr. Alfonso Brown and is a product of guidinglifeministries.org. That's guidinglifeministries.org. Jesus Christ, Lord of Lords and King of Kings, the cattle on a thousand hills belongs to God. You know, beloved, we've all heard these statements before. So then why is it that we treat our earthly kings and heads of state with more reverence and fear than we do God Almighty? It's one of these paradoxes of life. You know, we worship the movie stars and those special individuals, and then we fail to spend time with our Heavenly Father, the true source of all life. Join me today, beloved, as I explore the topic of our modern-day kings, and we seek to understand why is it that we choose to have kings? Why do we worship them so? And what can we learn about the character of a king from our most amazing king, our Heavenly Father, and the Triune God, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit? All hail the king. All hail the king. Isn't it amazing, beloved, the way that we as humans seem to always desire to worship things, whether it be money, possessions, sports figures, and then ultimately other individuals, the kings and queens and heads of state. And yet, the most amazing, the most powerful, the most wonderful being the true King of Kings and Lords of Lords, most of the time we tend to ignore. Why is this, we might ask? Well, I think if we look at the character of man, we can identify it. And then I think if we look at the character of God, we can get some clues as to how our kings should probably treat us. I'd like to take for a topic today to look at the subject of the earthly king, and what does it mean? Now, we know in the Genesis account that we read, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and he created man and all the things thereof. And it was amazing and quite wonderful what God was able to do. And not only that, after he created all these amazing things, he gave man his creation dominion over them. He didn't give it to the angels, didn't give it to anyone else. He gave it to man. What a tremendous responsibility. And what a wonderful God. How nice and how kind he was to provide that to man. And then what did we do with it? Doesn't really say how many days after, but you know the story. Eventually, we lost out on our ability to govern because we allowed sin to come into the initial beauty of the Garden of Eden through man's disobedience. Now this wasn't the first example of disobedience. No, the Bible says that before man came on the scene, uh, the enemy, which was one of the greatest and most amazing angels of God, went through the same thing. You see, uh, the enemy thought that he was greater than God and thought that all the blessings and the glory that God enjoyed, he should enjoy and forgot that he was a created being. And as a result of this, he was cast out of heaven. And essentially, he and all who followed him had been cursed. 
Now God, in his tremendous and wonderful forethought, has provided a means for all of us to continue to connect with him. Uh, but unfortunately, after that first original sin in which the enemy thought he was greater than God, the sin of pride, we seem to have followed along in our sin of disobedience. Now, God created us, and we all long in our hearts and our souls to reconnect with our Heavenly Father. But unfortunately, many men, and by men I mean men and women that populate this earth, go through life looking or longing for something to fill that place in our hearts that only God can occupy. And I believe that it is this desire to seek out God that we misconstrue and therefore place our faith and our loyalties in things that we shouldn't. And one of the most pronounced ways in which they do this is that we tend to do this in our kings and other individuals who are appointed to govern us. Now, God clearly says in his word that rulers are necessary and government is necessary. God establishes government to keep peace and to keep order. And he also gives government sovereign power over things like the laws and the enforcement of the laws. And we should all obey and do right as long as it doesn't have us go against God. That's our responsibility. The problem comes in when we take the sovereign nature of those who are above us and we elevate them to something that is greater than God. Many people in the Bible, for example, will hear the scripture, the love of money, and then they fill in the blank, is the root of all evil. Now when you listen to that, the verse is not saying money is the root of all evil, which is what a lot of people think. And there's some belief amongst some followers and believers in God that God intends for us to be poor. And that could be the furthest thing from the truth. God himself said when he came that he came to that we would have life and have it more abundantly. His desire for us is not to be poor, but it's to be blessed in spirit, in truth. And God loves us as his children, so all blessings he will heap upon us and give us so that we may prosper both in this life and in the world to come. But unfortunately, many times, what we tend to do is we tend to take our longing and our love for our Father and we tend to place all those accolades and those longings on an individual. Now, as I was mentioning with money, for some people, money is that individual. Some people worship money and the power and the freedom that it provides. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying it's wrong to have money, and I'm not saying that money is bad. Money itself is not bad. It's the love of money. And the reason why the love of money, God says, is the root of all evil, is because when you love something and elevate it above God, that thing becomes an idol. And one thing about God is that he will not share his sovereign rule and his rightful place, which is the head, with anything, any creature, whether created or uncreated. And so we have to be careful. And I ask you, many people don't even realize that to really love God and to get to know him is an amazing thing. I'll say in my Christian walk that it was hard for me at times. I didn't really pay attention to the need to set aside some time every single day to go and find God and to talk with Him. And God invites this. He says, you know, 
that in Philippians 2, 10 and 11, that at the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But he tells us this powerful Lord, so powerful that at his name, every knee, everywhere, no matter what ruler you are, how much power you have, how many armies, shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. And so let's imagine this for a moment. The way we approach human monarchs. Uh, let's look at the, some of the characteristics. As we know, probably currently, but definitely in the past, a king or a queen could just not be approached by anybody. If you walked into their presence, you'd get your head cut off. You can just run up to the king or queen and say, hey, 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 I want to talk to you, or even touch them, even today. In most instances, you have to bow when you come before them. You have to kiss their hand or maybe even kiss their feet. In some instances, you have to walk in backwards. You can't go to the king and petition them. You have to go through a proxy. And all of these things are placed in the possession of these individuals. And how does one become a king? Well, usually it's by birth. The baby had nothing to do with how, who they were born or who they were born to. They're just born and all of a sudden, all of these accolades and these specific rules of favoritism are placed upon an individual because of the bloodline. Now, while again, kings and queens are part of, you know, judicial and parliamentary authority, uh, one has to be careful, especially when one worships them and treats them as if they're greater than God. Now, it is okay to be reverential and to respect the position that kings and queens have. But we have to be very careful, once again, that we don't idolize them and place them in a position that should be reserved for God. And I want you to contrast the blessing that God provides as the sovereign. First of all, you might be confused. Is God sovereign? Well, it says in Proverbs 21 and 1, the Lord can control them control a king's mind as he controls a river. He directs it as he pleases. So kings might think that they're in power and everything might look like it's all theirs, but actually at the end of the day it's God who's really in charge. Kim, King Nebuchadnezzar learned this the hard way when he sat around and said, oh look at all that I've created by my hand. And God showed up and turned him essentially into uh, the equivalent of a wild animal until he came to his senses. This was a Babylonian king, not even a believer, uh, a pagan, if you will. But he was humbled by the almighty God who had given him all the blessings and in the snap of a finger took all the blessings away. Drove him to act like a wild animal so that when he came out of this period, he had to give reverence to the almighty God. Now God enables us as humans to make choices and by choices, we appoint kings, and some kings are good, some kings are bad, some kings are neutral. But the king is not God. God is the sovereign, and God is in charge. And as I said, it says the Lord can control a king's mind as he controls a river. He can direct it as he pleases. And you saw this with Pharaoh, when the Egyptians, and the Lord caused Pharaoh's heart to harden so that he would not allow the people of Israel to go. And Pharaoh complied with that, and, Israel, and Egypt was punished as a result. 
And in the end, not only did the Hebrews leave Egypt, but they also took the gold and jewelry, the wealth of Egypt with them. The Lord can cause even your enemies to bless you. But you say, well, kings are just following the path of God. God's a king. Didn't you just say he was the king of kings? Yes, he is the king of kings. But I would maintain to you that we have a benevolent king of kings. You see, modern day kings are too busy worrying about their appearances and what other people think about them and all that kind of stuff. God doesn't care because God is God. God is sovereign. God controls everything. He doesn't need anything from us. He owns it already. You don't believe me? In Psalms 50 and 10, God says, For all the animals of the forest are mine, and I own all the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird on the mountains, and all the animals of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you. For all the world is mine, and everything in it. So when you talk about kings and what they earn and all this money, God owns it all. Everything belongs to him, seen and unseen. So I think part of the reason why we don't seek God out is because we think God is like, you know, our regular kings. I mean, the closest thing to kings we get sometimes is the way we treat movie stars. You know, some people, you know, they, they'll die if they see a movie star. They faint and all this kind of stuff, right? And we think that those people, these movie stars or these athletes or these greater-than-life figures, represent the ultimate so much that we idolize, we worship them, and, you know, we want to be like them. And in a sense, that's good. It helps us to dream, to aspire to greater things. But we must realize that, you know, they are not God. And one of the most incredible things is oftentimes they're too busy to pay attention to us. Again, that attention we crave, that's looking for that acceptance these movie stars, not any fault of their own, they just don't have the time to cater to a million people. Now, social media helps, it gives you the impression, but really they don't know who you are. And I think, to be honest with you, this is the reason why we don't seek God. God is the creator of the universe, the owner of everything. Wealth beyond imagination, the cattle on a thousand hills, the planets, the suns, the stars, the moons, everything belongs to him. And yet, he desires for you to just take a few seconds, a few minutes, out of every precious day that he gives you, and communicate with him the way a loving child communicates with their father. If you're a parent, you know what I mean. Isn't it beautiful when your child seeks you out and comes to you just to talk to you? God is omniscient, so he can treat and interact with every single one of us as if we were the only one that existed. Think about that. And he desires to be with you. So you don't have a king who doesn't care about you. You've got a king that knows every intimate detail about you. It says before you were formed in the womb, he knew you. He says you were wonderfully and magnificently created. Think about it. If you had the job that God had to create a new and unique human being that was never created before and would never be created again every single day every single time someone was born imagine that he breaks the mold every single time one of us is created 
And as I told you before, this is why people cry at funerals. They cry at funerals because once that person dies, they know they will never see them on earth again. The mold has been broken. We must therefore always realize that this omniscient God, this amazing, kind, and benevolent Father, who's done all this, who gave the life of his Son, and blessed us with his Spirit, he desires to communicate with us. Unlike our earthly kings who cut off people's heads and they attack people if people come into their being, our beloved and loving Father, he does his best to show us love. And he does his best to find us. And he desires that we talk with him every single day. And if we do that, he promises that he'll be with us. You know, when you were a child and your parents left you in school, oftentimes it was hard to sit in school because you said to yourself, oh, my parents are gone. And I know like a lot of young kids, myself included, you would cry. We call that separation anxiety. And as we become adults, we get away from it. But some of us admit homesickness is another form of separation anxiety. But look at our beautiful God. He knows that we have this. So what does he tell us? He says he'll never leave or forsake us. He says before he left, I am with you always, even until the ends of the earth. And unlike the king, who will cut your head off if you go into the wrong space at the wrong time. God says to this, says this to us. In Hebrews 4 and 16, he says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. God tells us to pray without ceasing to come to him at every time. And he says in this promise, if you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. So brothers and sisters, I wanna tell you, as you go through life and you're looking for your king, your queen, whoever that might be, realize that the greatest and most powerful omniscient being in the universe wants to know you just for who you are. He created you uniquely. He loves you uniquely. He says, even the hairs on the top of your head are numbered. And you know, when things happen, he sits around, I can imagine him saying, hey, look at my son, my daughter down there. I love them so much. He tells people about you. That little, you know, jump in your parents' eye, the gleam, that's him letting them know because even though we're born of them, we really belong to him. We're on loan while we're down here, but we go back to him. And I'll leave you with this, brothers and sisters. You know why they say babies smile so much? It's because babies have just left God's presence, and they're probably still thinking about what it was like when they were there with him. So let me challenge you to do this today, brothers and sisters. Don't wait one more second. Today, take some time and talk to your father. Thank him that he's not like the kings that you read about and let him know that you love him. Leave each day and answer this question. Have you spoken with your father today, God, to speak with us each day? I pray, O oh Lord, that we learn how to reach out to you 
and to love you as true children who love and adore their Father. And I pray, O oh God, that the words that I've spoken today can touch the listeners and that those who hear this message will realize the beauty that comes in communication with you. And I pray you reveal yourself to them as you continue to do each day to me. In the name of your precious Son, my Master and friend, the Lord Jesus Christ, and by the power of your Spirit, God, I give thanks, Father. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of Life's Lessons in God's Word. This podcast is produced by Dr. Alfonso Brown and is a product of guidinglifeministries.org. That's guidinglifeministries.org. If you like what you heard today, please visit our website and subscribe. Also, if you feel anyone could be blessed or benefit from this podcast, please feel free to share it on Twitter, Instagram, and wherever you get your podcasts. Beloved, we love the work that we do, and I will continue to produce this work in honor and reverence to our Lord for all that he does. And if you've been touched by this message, consider seeking out and learning more about God. Visit your local church and see if you can study on the foundational principles of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he means. I enjoy this time that I spend with you each time, beloved. Until we meet again, may God's richest blessings bless you, your family. Peace be with you, and love always. Amen.